Hello and welcome Sorry. to episode 24 of the Randomer Nintendo Podcast. I'm still waiting for Jason or to... Kevin to say stop the presses and start over. But it sounds like we're all good. So, hey, what's up, everybody? It's it was only been... four tries to get it right. Yeah, it took, you know, <laughs> everyone, everyone always says fifth time's the charm, right? So here we are on our fifth time. It's. I'm guessing it's not... No, yeah, this is definitely not our worst startup, right? I mean, this was honestly, it wasn't even that bad. But I we've had significantly once... worse, or we've gone like two or three minutes in of the old random Nintendo show, and then we'd scrap it. <laughs> like we'd have I... all the banter, all the intro, and then be like, "Nope," and undo it and redo it. Back in the early days, there is one instance I could think of that we'll just kind of leave at that beyond, like the. I know we were like about 15, 20 minutes in before we stopped and then we just started over like a blank slate and then it went better. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. It was, <laughs> I, oh, let's tell the story. Okay. So for those who remember the old, who listened to us on the old round tender where I sort of oh, was no. more, where, by the way, hi, I'm Jason. You didn't. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. Um, to my virtual <laughs> left, I have Jason. Hi, I'm because, Jason. As you know, he's left-handed, which is very critical to his acoustics. I actually and... don't know if we've ever said that on air, but it is true. The the hand, not the acoustics, but maybe both. Really? Huh. That must have come up at some point, like whether How? it's you saying Miyamoto's left-handed like me or... Oh, yeah. No, probably. I'd probably like, I'm just like Miyamoto. I made Pikmin too. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sure. Like, like yeah. I know for a fact, like there's been mentions to the left-handedness because of either Link, Miyamoto or Link with the Twilight Princess thing with the motion controls or... Because I yeah. think in that one he's right-handed, right? Yeah, he's normally left. Let me tell you the plight. Yeah, that had to come up anyway. That had to come up. There's no way you would not have brought it up anyway. And to my virtual right, because he's right-handed, Kevin. Am I right-handed? I am right-handed. You almost had I'm... me there for like a second. I'm like, huh? You know what? I Does never. It, I, I just to... assumed. <laughs> I used to. Um... I used to wear my Apple Watch on my right hand, and everybody kept asking me, like, oh, or everybody kept telling me, oh, I didn't know you were left-handed. I'm like, I'm not. Apparently, if you're right-handed, your watch goes on the other arm? Correct. It, huh. Well, regardless of what hand you are, it goes on the non-dominant hand, yeah. The idea being so you don't drag, so you don't, like, drag it along when you're writing and get, like, the band covered in ink and stuff. That makes sense. It's not why I wear my watch on my left hand. It's just because I have a bracelet on my right one. But, huh. But let's go back to the time that we went 20 minutes into an episode and then undid it. <laughs> Isn't that what I mean, we were talking about? I was about to say something, though, but, but yeah, um, say that for it. All right. Since we're so far removed from random Nintendo, some inside baseball. So, as you guys may recall, I used to kind of play more of the what now is Angel's role as host this episode, uh, in all those episodes. And we were setting up a financial segment, which, by the way, it's that time of year again. There's Nintendo financials afoot. Um, but it's a different show now, so we're not going to dive as deep. But uh, set up a financial segment, and I was talking about how it felt like Disney – or Nintendo was kind of Disney-fying. This was in like 2016 or 17, so it was like right when they were doing their IT expansion. They really? The theme park. They announced the mobile apps. Maybe it was 2014. And I was saying that oh like – Oh, my God. Yeah, and I was Sorry. just kind of like, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like they're Disney-fying. Or, or maybe it was 2017 because Kevin was already on the show. Okay, that's not exactly But um, – yeah, it was just like, they're kind of Disney-fying. And, and I was explaining a couple points. I was like, what do you guys think? And both of you just were like, yeah, I don't have any thoughts on this. And it was just like, wait, what? And that was like the end of the conversation that I built up for like 10 minutes to get to a conversation. And it just stopped. And I was like, 
no, wait, what do you mean you have no thoughts? Or one of you was like, nah, they're not Disney fine. They're just doing their own thing. And I was like, uh, okay, what well, makes it out? And like, you know, that's obvious. And I was like, uh, what do I do? What do we do with the rest of the airtime? <laughs> so we restarted and like pivoted the whole like framing a little. Yeah. But you guys just like shot. It was like going to like an improv instead of yes and. One of you was just like, no. And that was it. <laughs> so so we had to restart. <laughs> it, in retrospect, it was funny. But at the time, I was so like, not frustrated, but like flustered about like how do we take the conversation forward at that point. So, yeah. It was a sign of things to come. Wait, no, that sounds more ominous. It was. Um, well, it was a sign of the interest. It was a sign of changes to... to come. There you go. No, because yeah. I, I feel like the former implies that it just got worse from there. We just shot down everything. But, yeah, I'd be like, you have know. you guys played your switches? And you both were just like, no. And then the podcast ended. No, uh, but yeah, it was a sign of, I think, our interest kind of becoming more diversified that led into was now random or Nintendo. It was just a very early, it was like the uh, canary in the coal mine or whatever the expression is. That was the yeah. first morning shot. Yeah. Yeah, because whether I want to or not, I know I've said this many times already, like, yeah, time, at least my time to play video games, or at least I just choose not to play mini games during the week anymore just because i only have like maybe two or three hours before i go to sleep which kind of gives me just enough time to you know prep food for the next day just kind of catch up on just my computer stuff not even so much social media that's kind of gonna start a little bit back up especially as i'm experimenting with some drawing ideas but you know when i do play something it's typically a co-op game like i like, all of a sudden, I played some Tales of Xillia two days ago. The last time we played that game together was a month before that. Thank God we still remembered what we were doing. Um, it feels like we've been in the endgame forever, but it just keeps going, as Tales games usually do. Like, it just keeps going and going, which is great. But, you know, I want to not play on the PS3 anymore. I just want to move it's away from random. that console. The never uh, oh wait, that's yeah. never ending story. Whoops, I was gonna make a reference. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could have just said it, but yeah, yeah. it worked. When it worked. But you know, and on top of that, when I do play, try to play anything, you know, it's gonna be a co-op game, which typically right now hasn't been on the Switch. Thanks Nintendo for Pikmin Four. And I think the last, the only thing I'm playing on my Switch right now is Final Fantasy Seven OG. I'll just, I'll just call it Final Fantasy Seven because that's just what it's called. Which. That's been cool so far. I think I'm pretty sure I mentioned it already that I was playing it. I still, I I'm like maybe three to four hours in. Um, I've been hearing some great things about this hero Sephiroth that I really want to meet and see why Cloud looks up to him so much. So yeah, we're hopefully that happens soon. If Smash Bros tells me anything, you're in for a well. Smash Brothers is surprise, wrong, but uh-huh. yeah, but yeah, I mean. Kind of been the, the honestly that's kind of like a summary of what I've been up to. Not really much, just occasionally playing a little bit of games here and there, and then just recently watching Turtles, which I'll obviously talk about a little bit later. But I mean, you, Jason, you've had a lot of stuff going on. I don't know, Kevin, you've also been as out in the concerts and movies as little Jason over here. Then again, you technically go to a lot of concerts whether you want to or not huh yeah concerts it's come completely to out of my uh <laughs> it's completely out of my power and, yeah so if anyone out concerts jason it's definitely kevin yeah no 100 not by choice <laughs> not by choice the concerts well, hold you hostage and make you listen well, to their sweet a, stylings 
I guess it's a good place to start. I mean, I already mentioned Final Fantasy and concerts, so I'm just going to kind of... I mean, I'm already steering the ship, so I'm just going to continue steering into the Final Fantasy Distance Worlds concert orchestra thing that I went to whenever that was, <laughs> Sunday. Um, at the now Peacock Theater, which I think when we bought tickets for it, it was still the Microsoft Theater, or maybe it was... Yeah, they just that, changed it. That happened very recently. Like, even the, the person I went with, like, they weren't aware that they changed names, so, like, that kind of brought some confusion. You, you know but, what this means? It means Nintendo can start doing events there again if they want. So, uh, they still always hold their E3 press conference and Nintendo World Championships and stuff during E3 at the Nokia Theater. And then Microsoft changed the name you know, bought the name rights and became the Microsoft theater. And Nintendo did one event there one time because they still had the contract there and they never went back. They went to like other theaters in downtown LA because they didn't want to be at the competitor's theater. But now that's Peacock, if Nintendo ever wants to do things again, fair game. Yeah, so I thought it was, I mean, I knew it was a Microsoft theater, but it also felt like that happened very recently. Turns out that was just eight years ago, which... I guess could be very recent or could be forever ago, depending on who you ask. It's but, very recent. But before that, it was the Nokia Theater. And I thought like, oh, it was part of the Nokia Theater for a long time. And it turns out it was also only the Nokia Theater for eight years. So I guess in another eight years, we're going to get a new name. So, Well, will Peacock even exist in eight years is the question. I mean, all these streaming services are losing money, but yeah. That's true. Well, I mean... Do is there any hope of a uh, crypto dot com <laughs> getting it's, a name change anytime soon? I I mean they're still alive the company for now, but it's it's interesting how all the name changes happen at once. Like for those who aren't as clued into the L A uh, venue scene that are listening, uh, the forum became Kia Forum, as uh, Bank California became BMO, Bank California uh, Stadium became BMO. What was it called Stadium Arena? BMO Stadium. BMO? It's they called, call it BMO. Yeah, it's, you pronou- call it BMO? it's pronounced BMO. Really? It sounds like a cute little robot or something. Like, hi, I'm BMO. And, you, you know, like uh, that little dog Sony used to make all. all, all oh, I thought words. you were literally referencing the little robot from Adventure Time called BMO. Oh, that's why it sounds like a robot. <laughs> that would do it. Um, but that changed. Uh, obviously, Peacock and Crypto. Like, there's been like four or five in just the last like six months. So I know, uh, I know people who work. At um at Peacock, Peacock uh-huh. Theater, uh-huh. uh specifically like the managers there, and I texted one of them. I'm like, "Oh, so your uh, your boss is now the top cock, huh? Of uh of that place, <laughs> and that makes you the uh the second biggest cock, <laughs> huh?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, make fun." Same thing. Yeah. I know a lot of people in crypto as well, <laughs> but there's uh... nothing witty that you can call them there. Yeah, Peacock definitely gives you a lot to work with. I mean, even the subscription service, as Jason knows, I had a lot of fun with that one. Oh, yeah, he'd all because it took me a while to get Peacock, and he would drop. You know how um, HBO Max just became Max? Well, Angel's like, well, what if you take out the first part of Peacock and just ask Jason, do you have that? So, <laughs> and then I had to get, and then what made it more interesting is I kept answering, well, I have to get it from my dad because we have like a shared plan. So he kept being like, oh, so you need to ask your dad for the. Peacock, and I'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and this went on and on and on. Yep. So yeah, Final Fantasy. Um, to kind of pivot back to that. Good I <laughs> still, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I'm playing through Final Fantasy VII. I have been motivated and driven enough, at least to you know, 
however long it takes, I'm not really stressed about that. I just, as long as I play at least in short enough intervals that I do remember what I was doing last. I think last I remembered I was in the sewers with Tifa and Barrett looking for the next Shinra reactor. Hopefully, that's where I was. But point is, you know, between that, mainline games, haven't beat any. Played a couple I've mentioned. The closest thing I have to beat in a, to beating a game is Theater Rhythm on 3DS, which I did play at nauseum. I beat the whole game multiple times. It was like another rhythm heaven for me. I just loved it. Loved all the music. Even took part in some of the DLC. So as far as um just recognizing the music, I I mean, especially because of theater rhythm, you literally listen to three tracks from every game. You hear like the main overworld theme, the battle music, and something they called an event song, which I guess is just another main theme. And it was actually nice that I recognized a grand majority of all the songs that were played at the performance, which was super awesome. Unlike the performance for Final Fantasy that I went to one comic, like Comic-Con ago, many Comic-Cons ago, I don't remember when it was, um, but I just remember not hearing a single piece of recognizable music. Like, there was nothing. Like, not even, you know, I think it was just called a, maybe it was also a Distant Worlds concert, but it was a general Final Fantasy concert and nothing, didn't hear Anything I recognize. This one, you know, they played the hits. They played some stuff from 16. And then, of course, your encore was your one-winged angel. And, damn, it was super cool. I, you know, made me really want to go back and play Final Fantasy again. I actually bought um, the soundtracks there. And, you know, it was a good time. A lot of um, coworkers ended up popping up there that I didn't know were going to go. So some pleasantries and... So- was it just yeah, like definitely. an orchestra with stuff on the screen? Like, did, is it like a typical video game or movie orchestra? Yeah, it was just like, um, it, it was like the, the something of the goddess, the Zelda one, or yeah, I guess any mm, video game of the goddess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have you know your giant screen with relevant footage playing with the band, well, the band, the orchestra, you know, playing things in tune with the music, with the with the visuals. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was super cool, and it was just a nice reminder, like. As much as I've been enjoying going to many different types of concerts this year, like this year has literally been Angel's Year of Concerts. I went to Lacuna Coil, Birthday Massacre, uh, like a punk rock concert. I think that's probably the best way to describe that genre. Um, Then I went to also watch Henri at the... I forgot the name, the... Some other venue in Hollywood. It was like halfway DJ, halfway live singer from Japan singing like 90s city pop, which was also great. And of course, the last rock stars, which it's definitely a highlight. And that's more um, alternative rock, which was amazing. And I'm actually watching them again in November. But then, but the point is, as much as I like watching these live performances with these singers, um, I mean, I'm watching Blackpink in two weeks, of all things. Um, yeah, that's the biggest swerve. That's as big of a swerve as me going to Taylor Swift last week. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm like, video game concerts is where I felt at home. Like, even if I didn't have, like, a sentimental attachment to much of that music, like, it still really, like, got to me. It still really, like, made me go, like, ah, oh, just 
I just love it so much. And part of it is maybe just because I do love live orchestra so much. I love hearing the piano, love hearing the violin, love hearing all of those instruments. But I don't know, something about soundtracks, you know, it just lets you really flex your imagination. It, you know, you interpret it exactly how you want. Because there are no lyrics, it's literally just how it makes you feel. And you just kind of fill in all those blanks. And it's just kind of been my favorite thing about just listening to video game soundtracks and I guess what you say the show and movie soundtracks in general. But it also made me realize that up until this point, and I don't count Last Rockstars because when I first saw them, I knew enough about them. Like we had mentioned before in this podcast, I really, really love that song Red Swan by Yoshiki, which is kind of what led me to discover the Last Rockstars through a friend. And then I went to that band and, you know, the concert, and I'm like, oh, I love all their other stuff. And then I became a really big fan. And now, like, I'm super excited for that concert. But until this point, I have yet to go to a concert for something that I am, I guess we could call obsessed with. Like, even ACDC a long time ago, I think that was the first concert I ever went to. Like, I, I like them. I mean, you could kind of throw that expression on, like, who doesn't like ACDC? But, you know, they were just always like... I'm willing to bet a lot of people. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of people be like, uh, me. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I guess anecdotally, like, I've, I haven't met anyone that doesn't like ACDC. Um, I take that with a grain of salt because it's not like I asked a ton of people. It's just. You don't survey people. strangers about their ACDC preferences on a regular basis? Yeah, I've, I've seen so many people with ACDC shirts. <laughs> they almost felt like well, oh, you know, they're, a uniform they're, at one point. Here's the thing about that. And I just saw a video of a school uh, teacher doing this. They were – lots of people just wear shirts to be stylish. There's so many kids that wear Metallica shirts that don't listen to Metallica, for example. Or like like uh, there was – it was a video that this teacher did where they just went down the hall in a school and were just like, name a song by that artist on your shirt. Not a single kid could out of like 12 that they put in the video. And some of the artists were contemporary. One of them was her, like the artist her, who like is a current artist and the person still can't who? name a song. Her. Who? Her. Like just Her. Her. Now, granted, I also her. can't name I also can't name a her song, but I'm not wearing a her shirt. So, but huh. so it's not that crazy that people wear shirts for an R sale now. Yeah, that's a good point. I remember there was someone wearing a Ninja Turtle shirt in college a long time ago, and I remember asking them about it, and it turns out they only got it because they thought it looked cute. It had nothing to do with the show. Or in turtles. Ninja Turtle and cute are not words I normally hear together. Yeah. But um point is I had yet to have been to a concert that I am generally super excited about, which oh my god, that's basically gonna change with Sonic next month. Because for I mean, I, I really like Blackpink. I'm not like super, super like like dying to like watch them, but I'm very it's more like curiosity, like just because it's mm, a very okay. different genre from the things I've seen. And I do really like a couple of their songs, but it's not like, yeah, it, it would be like, yeah, like the Sonic concert next month. Like Sonic music is something that my brother and I had really listened to, especially, and I can't speak too much for my brother because I don't, oh no, he definitely does. Because I obviously know, I've seen him like listen to it on his own sometimes. But yeah, that, oh my God, I... I'm just at a loss for words. Like, just knowing that that's coming up and just knowing how much I've been just enjoying going to live performances. Uh, I The fact that I haven't even... I kept skipping out. Not even skipping out. I've missed a couple opportunities to watch Crush 40 perform live. 
and now finally getting that chance, it's going to be out of order. So I just need to hope I'm just emotionally ready of anything. But yeah, so there there is that, something cool. very Which special was, about going to a show where you know every song, have some connection to every song. Like I feel like Kevin, you you go to enough concerts of big acts you like that you could probably relate to. But when you like go to like your favorite band show, or your favorite music's perform live like with song like it's it's a really cool moment especially where when it lives up to all the expectations yeah like you just kind of like gel with it like you just sort of like get in the zone it's, it's really cool because that's the thing like i've played just about all the sonic games but even for the ones i didn't play i did actually listen to their music so i'd be surprised if they play something i haven't heard and did not already enjoy a lot but yeah, I'm just super excited. And, you know, Final Fantasy was just kind of a, just a nice reminder because I came out of that concert feeling like very like, oh, that was amazing. And, you know, knowing that Sonic is coming up and how I feel about that franchise and the fact that I get to share that with my brother, it's, yeah. Just, I mean, I hope I'm not, hope it's not like, you know, inflating it too much in my head, but it's just kind of hard not to be really, really excited for it. And I just kind of hope there's more concerts like that. Like, the Pokemon one, I think, at that same Comic-Con as the Final Fantasy one could have been one of those. But I remember we saw the track list beforehand, and not a single battle theme. Not a single, like, popular or just, like, greatest hits. It was all, like, the most obscure random stuff. And, yeah, that, that was, like, I'm definitely glad I didn't go. That probably would have been very disappointing. Or the tone just have to do like any Mario concert. I don't know why they've only done a They Zelda are. One. They it are. Nuts. You know They're what doing I mean. At Nintendo Live, and I'm so jealous <laughs> that we didn't get tickets. Yeah. Although I would love to see KK Live. I want That's... them to do at Nintendo Live what they did in Japan and at Nintendo Live, which I don't think they're doing at the Seattle Nintendo Live. Or let me rephrase. I want them to do that a year we get tickets, but where they do the hologram tech. So it is literally, like you're saying, K.K. Slider live. Like they have a full backing band, but then they have a hologram of K.K. Slider performing the stuff. So it's as if you're seeing K.K. Slider. And then they do it with the Squid Sisters and, and whatnot from, and all the bands from uh, Splatoon as well. That would be really cool because that, that feels yeah. like a real, the closest you can get to like, you know, weird, like how you're skying that like Final Fantasy is just, there's a screen and there's an orchestra playing along with it. Like if you want to like experience the game live, like the real way to do it, for games that make sense, like Animal Crossing with KK, is that way. So I hope they bring that in future years to America. That I would do. I would go to that. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, I definitely would. If it was at least local. But oh yeah, and the Game Awards concert. I already had forgotten about that at the Hollywood Bowl, which was also a pleasant experience, especially because obviously you know Peach is live, which you know in a weird way, like because Jason wasn't there, it almost made it like two percent sweeter. Which, you know, I'm sorry, Jason. I hope you were able to. I hope there's no bad blood between. I'm us. just. And that you were able to shake it off. Oh boy, you're but... transitioning into me seeing Taylor, aren't you? Uh, I'm just glad that one of us got to experience it. Yeah, I think that's I'm the high gonna, road. I'm, to I'm never going to forget those words. And I quote, "He's not going to play. <laughs> He's not going to yeah. what? He's not going to play. play peaches." Is what Jason oh. said. Well, no, but then I very quickly <laughs> changed my mind and said, well, then again, Universal does the marketing for the movie, not Nintendo. Yeah, that Universal was that was days later, though. 
when oh, I think when maybe. we initially maybe I just try like, to make myself feel better. I don't know. Preemptively feel better, knowing <laughs> the reality of peaches, 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 peaches not being sung to my face in person. Yeah. But yeah, as I alluded to, uh, yeah, tell us about um, the 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 Tay Tay. Is that the little thing they call her? Did they I, ever call I, her that? Maybe I don't know. I'll, I call her Tay Tay Sway. T Swift. Uh, no, T uh, Swift is one. Um, yeah, so I was in Swifties? an ocean of Swifties a week ago. Oh, yeah, that is a um, thing. Oh, geez. Swifties? Yeah, that's what the fans call themselves. Gotta get um, Swifty? Is, is, that, is that even. No, not, not, not like Rick and Morty. No, but um, yeah. Is it Rick so and Morty? I, go, or Rick I said and Rick and Morty. I said Morty. Oh. Uh, Marty, what? Uh, yes, Rick and I'm Marty. cultured. Thank you very much. I know it's Rick and Morty. Anyway, um, yeah, so I'm so cultured. I went to Taylor Swift, but yeah, so a little backstory on that one. I wasn't supposed to go to Taylor Swift, um, but thanks to Live Nation, I'm alive to tell the tale. So basically, I think I mentioned last episode that I got COVID at Comic Con, and about 20 minutes after my positive test came back, uh, I was already thinking, oh no, my fiance Rachel's supposed to see Taylor Swift a week from that Saturday. Uh, will we be over COVID by then? Who knows? But this is like, she's diehard. Like, in Linkin Park and Coldplay and what was Kanye before he went off the deep end, like, that fandom I had for those bands is her with Taylor Swift times 10. So, like, she she is a diehard Swifty, and I was thinking, like, oh, God, if she can't go to Taylor Swift, I don't think I'll be a lot. I don't think I'm going to make it. She was going to kill me in my sleep. Simple as that. Like, she was so excited. And then 20 minutes after my co- my positive test, when I was starting to worry, will we make it a Taylor? Live Nation, by some stroke of luck, just texted me and said, hey, you weren't in the verified fan sale. You didn't get selected. But we have some production hold tickets. Go here, enter your email address, and get the tickets. So this concert, for if you guys don't know, people waited like eight hours, ten hours in, in online queues. It crashed. It broke websites. Like the government got involved and in it's investigating Ticketmaster over monopolistic practices because of all this. Like it's a whole thing. But I got this text and I just like waltzed onto the website and 20 seconds later had four smack in the middle of the stadium head on seats to see Taylor a couple days after Rachel was supposed to see her. So thank you, Alive Nation. I'm alive to tell the tale. But yes, I tagged along because we were able to get enough tickets. And um, I will say I've never been to like a pop concert of this scale. I've been to kind of like the VMAs and stuff where, you know, it's like slices of pop music. But yeah, the, before I even get into what I really want to talk about, just credit to Taylor Swift. She played for three and a half hours. She played 41 songs. She did not take breaks outside of costume changes. Like that's the stamina to do that. And I've seen like Foo Fires play like that long too. And Paul McCartney played that long. But like, they don't choreograph and dance and do also like the stamina to do what she was doing was very impressive. And the set had a lot of like set changes and like stuff rose out of the floor and like she had risers and it was a very impressive set. There was pyro, there was confetti. Um, but what I actually wanted to talk about, about the show, besides like it was a pretty good show and now I like Taylor Swift more than I did before, uh, is man, it wasn't so much a concert as much as it was taylor swift con like it was a fan convention that just happened to have a big stage show people dressed up by like the boat like people cosplayed as different like eras of taylor swift or different music video like specific looks people were wearing costumes that weren't even directly taylor referencing but like a lyric reference or some like thing she likes or something she referenced so it's kind of like when you go to con con there's like the obvious outfits and then there's kind of the Ones that you're like, what is that? And you ask them, they're like, oh, it's actually this deep cut to this other thing. Like they had that. Like people were, it was like a communal affair. Like all these girls and some guys were 
making like friendship bracelets that had like lyrics or albums or things on them and we're like trading them with people like we were watching the show and like halfway through the person in front of us just turned around and said to Rachel like do you want a bracelet and Rachel's like sure and then she looked at me and was like do you want a bracelet I'm like sure so like people were just like giving gifts to each other and like it was this very wholesome like all the Taylor all the Swifties came together and hung out and like nerded out about Taylor Swift and you know I overheard conversations about like how cool it is that, like, Cruel Summer, a song from, like, how many years ago, is back on the chart. Like, it really was what we do at Comic-Con, what we do with E3, but, like, for Taylor Swift. Like, they were literally, like, the same way that I would geek out with you guys about, like, um, you know, Nintendo's financials. I mentioned they just came out with them, right? So, like, normally in a normal Nintendo world, I'd be like, wow, Nintendo, like, tripled their IP revenue because of the Mario movie. Like, they made so much off licensing. That's so cool. And, like... I think they said 168 million people watched the Mario movie. Like the Terror fans were sitting there in the venue like, wow, it's so cool that like Cruel Summer got this X hundred million streams or whatever. Like it's it's very parallel. And then what made it even weirder is just like, like in a good way, is just like when we go to E3 or Comic-Con and there's like panels with announcements, we were at the show where towards the end of the show, she stopped the show to do like an acoustic song or two. And then she made a, an, an announcement, like a press conference. Like she talked to the fans like, all right, guys, like you probably know some hints. I'm announcing that the Taylor's version of like 1989, if you guys don't know, she's releasing all her albums to get around some rights issues so she, she can get her residuals, uh, is coming out this day. And like the crowd went crazy and they put up some key art from the album and said, go pre-order it and all that. It was literally like an Xbox or Nintendo conference, but it was Taylor Swift. And instead of it being like ravenous fans cheering because Twilight Princess was revealed, it was ravenous fans cheering because she announced, you know, the new 1989 with five new songs. Like it was just so interesting to be in a scenario where it's a totally different world, you know, pop sensation, like every you know, very everything's pink, like everything's you know very different world than gaming or the nerd stuff we typically do. But like what people do and how they digest their fandom and how they present to one another and how they like all get by by and like geek out about like sales and, and streams and announcements and dress up as, as deep of a cut as you can get with references and like all that. It's basically at the end of the day, everyone's a fan of something, but every fan acts exactly the same, which I think sometimes it's kind of a nice reminder that we're really not like, there is no like video games are nerdy. And if you go through your nerd, not really. Cause like, you can also be a nerd about all the Taylor Swift stuff and, and, you know, be on, Twitter talking about how, or sorry, X, talking about how, like, you want to work together to try and get her streams to some new high or whatever. Like, uh, you know, again, the parallel of Nintendo. Tears of the Kingdom sold 18 and a half million in, like, six weeks. That's two-thirds of what, like, Breath of the Wild did in its life. Like, that's crazy. Nintendo fans are, like, out in force to support this game. The Taylor fans are kind of doing the same. Like, oh, we really we really like this song. We really like this song. We're going to go out on that. Like, 1989 is apparently tracking higher than her last couple albums like it's just the parallels are so similar and how people digest that information and share the excitement with one another is really interesting from like an also like an anthropological view or like sociological view it's like watch the taylor show and watch the people there and like even before so just watching how people interact and exchange stuff and just compare it to what we're used to in our world like it was, it was yeah. really interesting to see that's ultimately exactly the same so it did feel like Every other person at work and friends of friends and even my sister and cousins like, that went to that concert. I felt like a lot of people went to that concert. It was like I a mean, obviously there was. event for the city I mean, of Los yeah. Angeles. I mean, yeah. it was a pretty crazy looking image I saw of like the stadium being packed. Yeah. So did you it get was... like a – I was going to say like so after like the concert, did you get like a random like car message from 
someone of your path going like, I understand now. I get it. No. No. I am wait, so sorry wait, wait, for, I am so sorry for like all the all the phones I gave you over your Nintendoisms. No, no, I didn't, unfortunately. But you're right. Everyone, like, I knew someone at every single show that I either worked with before or just have some mutual connection with. Like, I saw there were six shows in L.A. Here's a fun fact. So I was throwing numbers around about Nintendo. I'll throw this around, too. Apparently, those six shows brought in to the Los Angeles economy. It boosted the L.A. economy by $326 million. Those six shows. When you count hotels, tourism that came from it, from people flying in. Uh, you know, buying food around town, like all of that boosted LA's economy in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Which is wild if you think about it. One woman's six nights of shows, 70,000 people per night, sold out. Um, but no, no one like, no one exactly reached out to me. It's like, I get it now. And I don't think anyone would, because like, you know, there's, and I've made this point, I know, off mic before to, to you, Angel, at least. I don't know if I ever said to you, Ken, but it's interesting because we have a friend who's a huge sports nerd, huge Lakers guy, and he knows every stat about every Laker. He knows every stat about every NBA player, and he was rattling them off once back in college, and I was sitting there like, how is this any different than one of us rattling off, like, Pokemon stats from the Pokedex or, like, the IVs of a certain Pokemon? Like, it, it you're kind of, when you're siloed off into your various fandoms, you don't think about it, but really, like, all this stuff is the same at the end of the day. So, um, so no, no one reached out. I was like, I get it now, but no one necessarily like thinks about that and i wouldn't have thought about that if i was like totally a swifty and being like totally in the moment and like oh my god let's change friendship exchange friendship bracelets or whatever um but kind of being like a step removed and just tagging along for the fun of it and seeing it all and being like oh my god is this so similar to the things i'm passionate about that that's where it kind of resonated with me and you came out a swifty for it right not a huge not like a hardcore swifty but definitely I put five of her songs onto my iPhone, um, mostly from her album Reputation because that's the most production that mirrors the type of music, like kind of more of the production I like. A couple songs from Midnight's, one R.A. had actually. Um, But yeah, I mean, when you live with a Swifty and you hear it all the time and every album release becomes an event in your household, whether you're anticipating it being one or not, you do start to warm up to it. And she did put on a good show and she's quite talented live and yeah. So, you know, it's like that after, I mean, you'll, you're starting to experience this a little, Angel, which shows you're going to. There is kind of that after concert glow, right? Like you go see an artist, you, you really like the show, and then there's some songs that stick with you, or you want to put the set list on on a playlist or like whatever. So, yeah, I got like a little the of that. 1989 album and go like, oh my God, that's the year I was born. No, I did not. And I don't have any 1989 songs, but I put, um, no, yeah, no, I did not. I, but when it first came out, I was like, oh, I didn't know she was the same age as me because that's her birth year too. So, and Wait. you same age as me and you. Nineteen eighty nine is when she was born. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm guessing. I doubt. Well, you're May. I guess it's still possible. I just figured no one is old. No one is older than you. No one but in the world. No, really. No, Not even no, your sister, no. who's literally older than me. Somehow, somehow, huh. still not weird. But somehow anyway, yeah, you're so older t- than the people older than you. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm an old yeah, soul yeah. <laughs> trapped in yeah, a younger okay. body. I don't know. Nice but um. But yeah, that was my that was my Taylor experience. Like the show's really good, but it's just really interesting to like see how people digest that fan culture versus our and the parallels. Because like again, like I literally overheard people talking about like Taylor sales numbers in the way I do Nintendo numbers. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Is that a but, curiosity? Um, what are your general thoughts on Taylor Swift, Kevin? Like, or is she just like eh, she's just someone that exists like a 
I was going to say Tyler, Tyler Perry, um, Katy Perry, <laughs> Perry. But I guess yeah, you know, you know, Tyler Perry they, also, they exists. also exists in this, in this plane of existence <laughs> that we call life. Um, yeah. uh, I have seen Taylor Swift nine times live. Jesus. But I'm not a Swifty. I'll just leave it at that. Can assume that you guys can assume why mm-hmm, I've seen mm-hmm. her nine times live, but I mean, yeah, she puts on a show. Like, I'll give her it that. Is... I'm not really into, into her music, as a, but it's like, yeah, like, literally, I like the stuff person. that like drifted into almost like, like her album reputation is like, there's some production flourishes that don't sound too far removed from like, uh, RS I do listen to. Like, there's some like production flourishes that you could imagine being on a weekend song or like a Kanye song back in the day or something. And that I think is why I gravitated towards those songs, but yeah. I mean, nope, I don't, I don't even go that deep into her. I just pretty much know her singles, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know any for deep cuts. I've never listened to her albums on purpose. I didn't until I lived with the Swifty, and now I've heard them all. Well, yeah, you, you've got no times. No, I have no. Yeah, I, I have no, no choice. I have no exact. I, I have no defenses. But yeah, I remember. Oh my god, how long ago were we sophomores? I mean, no, juniors. Juniors. Jason, two thousand nine to two thousand ten. Yeah, however many years ago that was. Uh, um, 13. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember it was junior or senior year that my sister got into Taylor Swift back when I think she was only doing, like, acoustic country songs. I remember yeah, it was the era the of probably, oh, God, oh, God, here we go. It was the era of probably Fearless or Speak Now, yeah. I th- I, yeah, I just remember the song that was played a lot was obviously uh, You Belong With Me, I mm-hmm, think it was called. Mm-hmm. She played that the other night, yep, yep. Did she play it just with a guitar, or was it like a modernized version? Oh wait, did she do "You Belong with Me"? I think she did. I don't remember, but no, it's not modernized. That's so the each... song I think because I just remember them like hearing the music video. Well, tone. so one one point of clarification: the song was never just acoustic. It had like a backbeat, but the guitar. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I just you know, yeah. I yeah. but it was just prominent, but yeah. But I already forgot what my one, thought was. So, one more, yeah. just because I sort of weaved it in. I'm going to throw one more Nintendo Financial stat, you guys, because this one's kind of interesting. They had their best oh, Q1 boy. ever because of the Mario movie and Zelda, which is no surprise. Of course, they have successful products that are successful. They'll have a successful amount of money made. So, there you go. But you know what? They didn't have a success with Advance Wars. Nowhere to be found on their financial report. Probably bombed. Oh, well, but, I mean, what do you expect? I game didn't that, help. The, yeah, the game and movie everyone talked about obviously made the money, and the thing no one talked about after it came out made them no money. Who would have thought? But yeah. I don't think I bought anything published by Nintendo this quarter. I was going to say Mario World 3D Bowser's Fury. I got that there. We got there. Um, you, you you scrambled it, but you're there. <laughs> yeah, um, I had, I didn't buy it, but a close friend of... Oh, yeah, um, Nigel. He appeared on podcast at some point. Yeah, twice. Usually the Comic-Con ones, I believe. Comic-Con and their 10th anniversary show. Yep. But yeah, he let me borrow it, and I've been slowly making my way through that. How did you get it? Did he mail it? Because he lives in a different state. Yeah, he mailed it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, he actually mailed it. Handwritten envelope. Did he put little hearts around your name or little 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 cartoony things or like little... You know, Starburst. that's what I would do. You know, take advantage of the fact that I'm like sending it to someone to draw something. Exactly. But, no, just exactly. regular legible font. Wow, um, Nigel, if you're listening <laughs> to this, wow. 
Wow. Hey, he, he's an English major. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, enough jabs at Nigel. Um, yeah, so I guess let's go to something, I guess, not as passive. Well, actually, you could argue that a concert could be pretty active. It's pretty active. But... We had wristbands. Everyone had light up wristbands, so you had to, like, be, like, engaged because your arm was lighting up. So when I saw <laughs> so... the agenda or the minutes or whatever we want to call them, mm-hmm. uh yeah, I saw that Kevin put in here Baldur's Gate 3, and I actually do want to hear about that. Because, yeah, for one for one thing, um, outside of, I think, the name and the trailer that we saw for the the Microsoft console that ended up dying, Stadia. Um, besides Google. the trailer that Google. we saw during the Stadia unveiling for GDC... All I know about Baldur's Gate 3 is just that there was apparently a Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, and that they were called Baldur's Gate. Until this game was released, I didn't even know what genre of game it was, or let alone like even like what it looked like, like when you play the game. Because, you know, the CG trailer doesn't really help. It's a CG trailer, so it could be anything. Um, but then, I guess, Dungeons and & Dragons and Tabletop kept like coming up in the conversation with... Um, Baldur's Gate 3, and then I saw some video that almost seemed like it implied that... It didn't show gameplay. It was just like someone talking about Baldur's Gate 3. And it seemed to imply that you roll like a d20 for to do anything. You and, pretty much... Yep, you pretty much roll a d20 And I'm like, what the heck? Is that everything? really it? So, yeah. T- what, tell me about this Baldur's Gate 3 and shit. And I, me. I also want to hear. <laughs> not just Angel. <laughs> and maybe the listeners. Yeah, is there something that's up our alley? Or, or, or you could say, like, Jason, uh, you could tune out for the next 20 minutes. You're good. <laughs> yeah, this is never coming to Switch or Switch 2, so <laughs> you can just take well, off. It's been real, no. gentlemen. I'm going to go listen to some Terrace. No, if it was if it was still on Stadia, maybe you would. No, no, you're an Apple guy, so never mind. Oh, but I could use the browser. Mac? They have, they, uh, I think it might be on browser, uh, on Mac. Yeah. It's on, oh, it's on Mac, apparently. Nice. Nice. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, Baldur's Gate 3, it's a uh, CRPG in the same vein of, like, a lot of the classic RPGs for PC, um, like, what is it? I think it's called like Planescape Torment or like, yeah. Um, but anyways, it's. Uh, Damn, I hope you haven't on... heard of it. <laughs> or like, yeah. I thought you. Hope you were hoping you would name drop something like, oh, I've heard of that. Well, it's, <laughs> it's Divinity. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's developed by Larian Studios, who are best known for the uh, Divinity Original Sins games. Oh, um, I don't know. I've have seen... you ever played Divinity? I'm sure you've played. No. You've seen your brother play. Yeah, I've seen Elvis play Divinity Two. But at least like a couple, I don't know. Yeah, it looked like he was. It looked like a card game or like a turn. It looked like he was playing HeroScape, but it's, it was it's in video it, form. Yeah, you can see that. I mean, it's based on like Dungeons and Dragons gameplay. Um, they're turn-based RPGs. Original Sin two and this one. Uh, apparently, one and two weren't, but since this was overtaken by a, uh, well, since the series was picked up by Larian, they decided to pretty much do what they know best, which was turn-based RPGs in the vein of like these classic pc rpgs and so far you know i played a little bit of the early access i played maybe about three hours of it uh the only reason because i mean i started playing maybe about a month ago the early access version but then i also learned that your full or like your early access save wouldn't carry into the full game so because of that i pretty much just dropped it and uh you know the game just released i believe about a week ago i mean even nintendo yeah, that's a, that. if even nintendo can do that come on baldur's gate but uh yes Kevin, to your point it, it came out i think week and a half at most maybe a week and a half yeah and i haven't yeah. had too much time 
to like really sink my teeth into it. Uh, I played maybe about about ten hours, but so far it's it's uh it's pretty great. Like I said, this is um this is based on Dungeons and Dragons. So of course, like at the start of the game, uh, you can create your own character, or, or you can create, or you can like choose a pre-made character that's already, or not not necessarily a pre-made character, but an existing character. But to be in the spirit of D and D, I just decided to make my own character. And so, like you at the start of the game, you enter through Baldur's Gate, or is no, the goal to open Baldur's <laughs> Gate? <laughs> you you for the third time you, apparently. At the start of the game, you create your character and. You choose their race, and like some of those races have sub races, and then you choose your your character's class, and some of those have subclasses, and then you start like you choose their starting abilities or some of their starting spells. Of course, you choose their starting stats. Like this is a very uh, stat heavy game, but once you do that, you pretty much start. You are thrown right into the story, which the story for this one is your character and like a ragtag like bunch of misfits have essentially been infected by these tadpoles that will eventually turn you into uh, mind flayers which are like these very eldritch looking monsters they're very tentacly and like squid like looking aliens they're very very iconic i i think like what's that one show that everybody loves on netflix stranger things kids? stranger yeah things. so like so like and i'll have those... you know these days the kids aren't so little they're like late teenagers now but yes yeah, somehow these mind flayers are so iconic. I actually drew a cockatiel portrait of one, which is yeah. There you go. Funny. So, like I said, the characters have been infected by a a little parasite tadpole that will eventually turn you into mind flayer. So that's what the game's about. You are trying to find a cure, uh, before you turn into a mind flayer. And you know, this being an, uh, an RPG, very early on, you'll find like multiple side quests to take on whether it's, like, reading a cave or saving a townsfolk from a bunch of trolls. And, of course, you can choose to do them or not. But, like, of course, you're going to want to just to level up. Because once you level up, of course, you're going to level up your stats. And this is a very stat-heavy game. As Angel said at the very, very front, you are pretty much rolling... You are rolling a 20-sided dice for pretty much everything. And the way that the game does it... Like, let's say you want to... You're talking to someone and you want to use your persuasion to persuade them to think some way. You'll click on that uh, line of dialogue and then the game will pop out an actual little 20-sided dice that you click on with your mouse and then it'll spin for a bit and then you are just praying to the gods that you hit the number that you have to. Otherwise, you're probably going to load up your save to do it again. Um, or you can play like a madman where uh, you don't save scum. I save scum like crazy. For speech checks, I... I don't but for battles i absolutely do because otherwise you're getting a game over but when you're in uh combat that's the only time that you aren't going to be shown that dice it's all dependent on your stats like i said and then like attacks essentially will like whenever when you attack with like your main weapon like your main uh like your sword or whatever or what have you essentially you are rolling a a uh like It'll show you, it'll tell you, like, oh, you're going to roll a a uh, six-sided die, or this one, you're going to roll an eight-sided die, and that'll determine the damage that you inflict on that enemy, but then you also have to uh, actually, you know, have a percentage of hitting him, so you're also rolling the dice on that, so it's a lot of hidden dice, it's definitely way more hidden dice than dice that you'll actually see. And then there'll be some times where, like, you walk into a room and maybe your character's perception is high enough that you'll see 
a hidden lever on the wall that will open up a magic bookcase that you go through and then you find another dungeon. It's like, it's very deep. It's very, it's very rewarding, especially when you explore and especially when you talk to like everybody, you like talking to everybody is an absolute must. And you know, some people will just give you like one, like a little line of dialogue, but then there'll be other characters or like other NPCs that will just send you on a brand new quest. It's very, it's a very deep game, which is which has started like this whole discussion on, on the state of that started entire discourse on the state of the industry, um, because I mean, like I said, I've only played ten hours, but from reviewers and other gamers, it looks like this is the real deal. Like you're not, you're getting a full product. You're not yeah. getting this nickel and dimed uh, piece of content that you're going to have to spend a lot of money on. Uh, like, apparently it can be beaten within... Yeah. Apparently it can be beaten, like, pretty... Well, like, I don't know, within 60 hours. But, of course, you could always re-roll a character and, you know, go... Uh, you know, choose a different race, choose a different uh, class. Like, right now I'm playing a tiefling bard, so I'm trying to use my uh, my quick... my silver tongue to persuade people to not attack me because i'm kind of weak maybe next round i'll go with a stronger character that will just absolutely beat the crap out of out of everybody and that's some of the flexibility that you know dnd gives you and that's why a lot of people love dnd and i don't play dnd i don't know if you guys ever played dnd but if this is the way that i can experience some dnd like i'll 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 take it and you know what this is also multiplayer so you can all like also play with like friends so that might be fun if you guys are ever interested jason i don't know how you're gonna play but angel maybe you're maybe you want to like i'm not trying to go you into doing it or not but i'm just saying this this is Baldur's gate 3 in a nutshell mm. your your I, point about I, like the opening the can of worms with the industry though yeah it that's the thing i've heard most of like the engagement of this game and like like the numbers on steam compared to other like player hours on steam is like through the roof no microtransactions no nickel and diming, no subscription pass, nothing. It's just a old school uh, full so release of a game and it's doing incredibly well. And it makes you wonder if like maybe this could lead to some scaling back in the same way I know Assassin's Creed is doing scaling back with the new one Mirage that comes out next month in uh, October where it's like, Hey, we made the game too big and too unwieldy and like people can't invest the time or the money or the hours or whatever. So this one we're promising you is shorter and more like the old games. Like I wonder if we're seeing like a, a sort of the the pendulum is swinging the other way now and stuff like Baldur's Gate's success. I do wonder if that's going to mean more in the direction of what Baldur's Gate is doing. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like, I've stopped... That's kind of what Sony does, though. Like, for the most part, I think other games are just... Well, I guess they're also single players. I guess that's a little different. Wait, isn't this... Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's that's one company that found a very successful lane doing that. But, like, now... Multiple other companies are starting to like wake up to the to that. So oh yeah, the fact that Nintendo's goes went like three sixty on that, I, it, it feels like there were interviews where they're like, oh yeah, we would never do a incomplete game. Basically, you yeah. know, your Splatoons, your Arms, your Mario Tennis, your Mario Golf, your life service games. Yeah, yeah, games yeah, of yeah, service, yeah, and that's yeah. the thing that Baldur's Gate isn't. There's no service. It's just game. That's the thing. Like so. Splatoon felt like it worked because it definitely felt like a service but arms definitely didn't feel like it was against the service it was, it was just the balance of how much content they pump out how quickly and how much is in the base product 
but it's I, I definitely get the impression that I mean it's it's subscription fatigue in general, right? Because like people are, we were saying earlier, we we're joking. What streaming service is Peacock going to be around in a few years? Like, if everything's a subscription, everything constantly costs money, and even your car, like if you want to use the seated the heat the seat heaters, eventually those are part of a subscription you pay for. Like you know, like all that stuff. Like people are get worn out. And I think I think it's starting like the the knee jerk or not not the knee jerk but like the other side yeah. of that coin is starting to reemerge and Baldur's gets kind of like the proof is in the pudding in a way I guess. Yeah, because even um, recently, if you're watching Evo, you would know that they played the Ninja Turtle theme there live, which it's like of all the years to not go to Evo, this is definitely <laughs> not the year. Wait, to you do never that. went? Did you go? Oh wait, you did used to go to Evo. No, I never went. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, you I, never I, went. That's what I thought. It's just that, but every year is always like, oh, I'd like to go. But usually it's always too close to Comic-Con that I'd just rather not deal with the mental right. fatigue. And, and but, was... you know, but of all the years I considered to go and didn't go, it's the year that they played the live Ninja Turtle theme. And, and then announced the a cross of Street Fighter, right? The cross. Yeah. Which initially was like, whoa, this is amazing. And then you're like, oh, these are just characters for your avatars. So Yeah. I yeah. will say and sidebar then, on that. Ninja still, Turtles is having quite the renaissance these last couple of years. Anyway, uh, I see what you did there. But Oh, yeah. that was not intentional, but I wish it was. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it was it almost seemed like you were going out there. I know. Um, I know. But yeah, you know, it's just for your avatar, which is okay. If you go to the battle hub, you could run around with your avatar and that's how you could challenge people. But you know, at the end of the day, most people are just gonna be doing it through a menu. But then it's the real kicker where I was like, I'm just going to buy all of this. And then I saw how much it was and it would cost me like 60 bucks to get the four costumes for these avatars, some stickers and like some wallpapers, like not a ton of stuff. Like if you break it down, each costume is basically like 15 bucks. It's kind of crazy. And 15 bucks for just an avatar skin when that same company sells you for five ninety nine, a full brand new character. It's God, it's like it was almost kind of disappointing just how overpriced they felt. I don't know if Nickelodeon made the turtles that much of a premium for them, or maybe they're just getting greedy, but yeah, that's just not right. I mean, even like actual playable Ninja Turtle characters in a fighting game in Justice Two was like ten bucks. For all four. And a bunch of other cosmetics. Like Damn, They're, this is it. This is this definitely straight up felt like a what are you going to do about it kind of situation. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy all four, and I'm just going to buy one. See, but yeah. you're still you're still giving them some money. Yeah, there's definitely a reckoning. Uh, well, yeah, because like, it's three fighter energy. Like, I know and it's, it's like that. I love like both these things so much. But... but no, there's definitely some reckoning going on because the reaction the other week to the port of Red Dead Redemption that's coming to Switch and PS5, four, <laughs> five. Uh, and they're charging $50 for it. But if you have an Xbox, you can get basically the same thing for $6. <laughs> like, there's definitely, like, people are starting, I think, because they're getting stretched in so many directions. Because the commodification and payment process of games is so much easier now. Like, you know, in, in 1999, if you went to go buy Pokemon Stadium... Stadium One for the N64, you got a full product because it's not Nintendo could send you more stuff to your N64. Like that was it. If they wanted to do something new, they had to justify it with a whole new game, Pokemon Stadium Two, and that was a whole nother game and a whole nother cartridge and a whole nother price. And you could argue maybe they were light on content each and they could have been combined, but that was as far as it went. Now, like you know, 
cost them just fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Other characters are six because they could just two? download it, and you can just use Apple Pay or PayPal or your credit card or whatever. Like it's it's so the accessibility actually is kind of a hindrance in terms of keeping us money in our pockets. And then the Red Dead thing happened, and you know I think I I personally don't fully agree like i understand okay if it's six bucks on xbox it should be six bucks on switch but if they're saying hey here's an experience that comes with this dlc the other one doesn't and it's the original game and we're charging 50 dollars for it and you could take it or leave it and we brought it to the switch and whatever sure if you want to take a crack and charge you 50 dollars for it but um you know there's probably enough content there that if you compare it to a comparable 50 dollar game and you've never played red dead and you've never played that other game that you're comparing it to it's probably good bang for your buck if it's a fresh experience but you can't do that when everything else is being nickel and dimed, I feel I mean, like, you know? I mean, what? that game cost 60 on the Switch, and it was like 50 on the Wii U. Tropical Freeze? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they you know, they had to uh, code out the gamepad support. The blank screen on the gamepad. They had to code that back out. Did get <laughs> But yeah, no, but like stuff like that, it's like, okay, fine. Like you're saying if you're a new customer and you're approaching it and you see it on the shelf, it is $50 worth of content. It is $50 worth of content. But if you're also selling it cheaper elsewhere, if you're also selling a character in Street Fighter for 6 bucks, and then you're selling a skin for 15 that's where it gets weird. And that's where the nickel and diming, I feel like, is really like people are getting fed up. And that's probably why Baldur's Gate is so refreshing. That's why stuff like Quake, they just surprised announced Quake 2 is um, on Switch and PlayStation and Xbox and PC, $10. All of Quake 2 up I believe, a little. 4K support on systems that support it. They threw in Quake 2 64 for free. They threw in all the DLC. They added 28 new missions exclusively to the re-release. $10. So there are some companies that still like are like, hey, here's a good value. But a lot of companies are starting to feel the wrath of, you know, if they nickel and dime or if they're in an environment where nickel and diming is happening all the time. Like Red Dead, I feel like is kind of not a victim of entirely its own fault like it's kind of just the general atmosphere of everything as well but that's just my two cents not to make a money pun but yeah i don't know it's just wow. it's a very interesting time so i think Baldur's gate success hopefully hopefully moves things back in the direction of you actually get your bang for your buck wow well i mean so far it has so oh well that's great that's good yeah and it sounds like everyone loves it so far as playing it yeah yeah, this is the game that I currently need. Like, I've stopped playing live service games. Like, I haven't played Apex in forever. I haven't played Valorant in forever. Marvel? Um, Marvel Snap being the only exception. <laughs> um, but even, like, Overwatch is having, like, kind of its own little internal reckoning because there's just not oh, enough. Yeah, I heard they redid the Spider-Man. He's no longer blocks his zone, right? Oh, yeah, they completely reworked Spider-Man. It, what does he do now? Like, is he... So, whenever you play him... Do they just fit him, in an archetype? He'll... Whenever you play him, he'll immediately move to another location, and he'll take one of randomly? your cards randomly. Yep. Huh. Well, that's still pretty cool. So he could easily, like, uh, he could easily uh, jump into uh, whatever that, I think it's not the raft. I forgot which location it is. When a card moves here, it's destroyed. So he could Oh, Kingpin's like, Skycreeper or something? Well, I mean, King, yeah, I believe so. Damn, that's pretty crazy. I think that's the first time that a card has like gotten completely reworked since I've started playing. Yeah, the most I ever saw was when they added the ability to Wolverine, where he gets more power every time he comes back. Before, oh, it was yeah, just, cards are always getting just updated. Comes back. Or like they're always yeah. getting buffed or nerfed, but this was a complete, cool. complete rework. 
it seems cool to know that that's on the table, basically. And they can yeah. do whatever. I mean, I kind of hope on the table. Miles Morales. Cards. Yeah, I was kind of hoped Miles got a little bit of a rework because, you know, he just plays himself. Just not not it's not very exciting compared to some of the other mover spider people. It's like yeah, um, I mean, like give me some zappy comes... zappy or invisibility or something. Mm, like maybe don't reveal what. Work. I guess the invisibility being like when you play this card, it isn't revealed to your opponent until like later or something. I don't know how that would help. But yeah, I, I can see that possibly working. Kind of steals Invisible Wound's lunch, but but I guess then you yeah. wouldn't need Invisible Wound just for that card. I mean, it, well, that's a there it is. You you play him, and you automatically know that that's that's uh, Miles Morales because he's the only card that can. Do that. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't work. <laughs> that's true. You're, we already troubleshooted and queued that card to hell. But yeah, yeah um, so before there are two we, like, things so, oh. we're exceedingly good at on random or Nintendo, weaving in Marvel Snap to any conversation, and me finding a way to drop random sales data in any conversation. <laughs> I think I think those are the two things that we excel at on this podcast. And with that, I am now going to close Baldur's Gate with a login key. Unless there was anything else, any final thoughts you had, um, Kevin? No, I just uh, can't wait to play more. Yeah, well. One of these days. I mean, I've always been curious. Never quite to pull the trigger with Divinity 2, but the word of mouth on Baldur's Gate has been enticing, to say the least. Now, you mentioned before the podcast that you didn't have much to say about Pokemon, but you wanted to Ooh, bring me? it up anyway. Me, me, me. So, I like how sure, we listed uh, on our notes here. Jason presents Pokemon presents Pokemon. And here's the thing. They didn't present much Pokemon. Um, this is very brief, but the only big Nintendo news... You know, it's funny. I thought we had nothing to talk about with Nintendo this episode, and then we managed to talk about the Red Dead port and Quake and, and uh, sales numbers. But yeah, Pokemon was the thing that should have generated news. I like now, how you say we brief. managed to talk about when you talked about those things, but yeah. Right. But it was a group conversation <laughs> where, where I <laughs> threw the words in your face and you had to hear them. So, uh, but no, I did want to touch on Pokemon because this was supposed to be like, in theory, a Pokemon present should be a big event and we should be like, oh, look at all this cool new Pokemon news they announced. I think, I think Pokemon kind of just needs Nintendo to take these over. They spent 35 minutes and I'm not exactly, they announced that you could take a photo with Bidoof's butt, which is pretty cool to be honest. So... There's the Pokemon World Series going on in Japan right now, or World Championships going on in Japan right now. And they're oh, doing the photo ops the around the city. That looks really yep. cool. Yeah, so they're doing photo ops around the city. You can pose with different Pokemon. And there's one photo op where it's Badoop's butt sticking out of a bush, and you can pose with it. Hmm. It's like a real bush in a random sit- part of the city, and there's just Badoof backwards in it. So that was my personal highlight of the whole presentation, Badoof's butt. But not in a sexual way, to be clear. I just like Badoof as a friend but um yeah the rest of the presentation they spent 35 minutes and they spent like 10 minutes just talking about this world champion event with all the stuff you could do if you're in the city as if the rest of the world was in the city then they went through like some updates on all their mobile games it was just like if you're playing pokemon cafe remix jigglypuff is now available it's like that would normally just be a tweet you guys like there's no reason to like make this part of the video and then they spent some time like with a new trailer pokemon uh pikachu Detective Pikachu returns, but sure. And then they gave some still kind of vague, but kind of more zoomed in information on 
Pokemon Scar and Violet's big two DLC DLC packs. The first one comes out September 13th. Um, but even then it was kind of vague and they followed it up with information and tweets. And the whole time I'm just like, why is this a 35 minute? Vi- oh, and they showed like 10 seconds of two different Pokemon cartoons. And I'm just like, why is this not just a series of tweets or a series of announcements or a press release or like nothing about it felt worthy of making you sit for 35 minutes even the pokemon dlc stuff they could just release the trailer by itself but they seem to have this need and nintendo does this too all of them do it to varying degrees where they feel they need to package up and deliver certain amounts of content every so often and be like look guys we're doing things but it's just like the the pacing the cadence like the 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 kind of ho-hum vibe of it all. it's just i don't think it did pokemon any favors the news got out there, but it could have gotten out there in much more concise ways. And it just seems like, you know, sometimes you don't need a presentation. It's it's okay. Like Devolver Digital did something kind of clever a few weeks ago where they did Devolver Delayed. And they announced, and they gave updates on all the games that were coming this year, like Plucky Squire, but are now next year. The presentation was three minutes long. Pokemon could have been that short if they really wanted to do something. Or could have been 10 minutes or 15 minutes. There was no need for it to be half an hour. I just think like... There's some element of, in the same way that I think people are kind of getting fed up with, like, having to pay and get nickel and dime to $15 for a costume in Street Fighter. There's some element I think where fans are starting to be like, listen, if you're going to ask me to spend some time to be advertised to, at least make it worthwhile. And different companies, I know, like, the PlayStation, um, not the showcases, but the smart ones they do have had some weird reactions. I know Xbox had weird reactions sometimes. I know Nintendo Direct certainly have been all over the place, especially the third-party partner showcases. And it's just like, you know, maybe, like, it's okay to not do a presentation. You can find other ways to present your information. And maybe, yes, you have X number of eyeballs at 7 a.m. learning that Pokemon Masters EX has a new trainer. But is that going to entice people who haven't played Pokemon Masters EX to suddenly pick it up? I don't know. Is Jigglypuff and Cafe Remix going to suddenly make you go play Cafe Remix for the first time in two years? I don't know. But... I, I just, you know, maybe value the time of your fans the same way that you should value their wallet a bit more. It seems like the industry as a whole is just getting very sort of like, yeah, navel gazy. And they could probably like do, you know, something like Baldur's Gate. We need like a refreshing thing like that for like presentations to just remind, like a devolver delayed to remind people, you know, it's okay. Small scale. Back to basics. It's fine. You don't need to spend the time. So that was weirdly my takeaway from the Pokemon Presents, even though it should have been something that's full of exciting new news. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean... Obviously, the Nintendo Direct a month ago was really great and had a lot of stuff. So maybe just, like, work with the people in your company, in your sister company, that know how to pull those off if you insist on doing them. I don't know. Anyway, not to be too negative, but, yeah. It it just felt very, like, unnecessary and kind of, like, who is this actually for? Like, who's watching this and is, like, eating it all up? And I know people say, well, just don't watch it. But, like, you don't know what you're going to be watching. So if you're a fan of Pokemon, you're going to tune in and then just be like, oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even know what's going so, on. I yeah. just kind of stumbled onto onto it on YouTube and just kind of skipped around. Like I saw, like okay, World Series, cool skip. Something about um, Scarlet and Violet, skip. And I guess I saw and, something about Pokemon Sleep, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know this was out already. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's what these things are somewhat good for. Is like you probably learned about stuff you didn't know about even in passing, and that achieves the goal of the presentation. Just like tighten it up a little i guess like i understand some fans will be super into it and that's great but like you gotta go for the broadest brush strokes like tighten it up 
a little just yeah. to keep pe- like they did at six in the morning. I was watching it at like seven, and I was like, like people were joking they're falling asleep during it. It's just like because it was so early in the morning for the West Coast, and it wasn't it didn't have anything. It's just like again, just tighten it up. That's it. Just just figure yeah. out a way to make it more concise and more punchy. Something about Pokemon Unite. I even rewound it to rewatch that segment, and I still don't remember. They what added it was. like a new Pokemon. They added Mewtwo. Which that what that was? That's kind of cool. They also have Mewtwo and Mewtwo Scarlet and Violet in a special mm-hmm. event called Get Mewtwo and Mew. Great name. Well, <laughs> but it's cool they're doing stuff with Mewtwo. Don't get me wrong. I know he's a fan favorite. So that's cool. But, like, again, they could punch it up a little. Shorten it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess to kind of segue from Pocket Monsters to Mutants because they're kind of similar. It's going to give some quick impressions on the Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Which, long-time followers will know, is probably or was my most anticipated movie for a while. I don't know if it was my most anticipated movie, though. Maybe. It seems close. Um, what, what but anyway. What competing against? What, was, what else would be your most anticipated movie in your life that this is neck and neck with in your mind? Um, What could it have been? Oh, oh the I know Mario it was movie. Mario. Oh, was it Mario? Because you went on like media blackout and were being yeah. Because I cared about the, about that movie so much because I didn't right. want fair, anything fair. spoiled. I wanted as fresh of an experience as possible. Which yeah, so far I feel have been very great. I mean, same thing for like, especially for Ninja Turtles. Which unfortunately, when I went to watch Spider Verse, I did watch one trailer because it just played right in front of me. Like, oh, screw it, I'll just watch it, and. Yeah, it pretty much spoiled everything. Like, yeah, that sucks. Like, yeah, I it literally, I've only seen the teaser for it. Yeah, the the second trailer, which I just had to go. Oh, I'll just watch this one. Like, literally shows you like the climax of the film from multiple shots. I was like, really? It's like you just know it's building up to that. Like, it's obviously like the third act, big thing they have to deal with, and you know, kind of some of the other jokes. Like, there was maybe. A handful of things that were a big surprise. But, you know, it didn't ruin the movie. But, you know, it, it takes a little bit away when you know what the climax is. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I loved it. I really liked it, actually. It was different. I liked that it zigged when you think it's going to zag. And more in many other ways as well. I still don't know exactly fully how I feel about it. going to watch it again next week. Don't know if I'm gonna watch it four times like the Mario movie, but <laughs> but you know there's some stuff that I really like. It did other stuff. I'm like, I don't think there was anything I disliked. It was just more like, uh, I guess we'll see where the where they're gonna go with this. This is interesting, or like, oh okay, I guess you're going in this direction. The only other thing I'll say is like, yeah, the art style was really great. I was afraid it was gonna try to, you know, come off too much like trying to be Spider Man or Spider Verse, but I don't know. It it runs with their very rough, gritty art style in a really nice direction. Like, if anything, I actually saw Spider-Verse again a couple days ago, or across the Spider-Verse, so having it fresh in my head reminded me how clean that movie looks, as much as you have, like, a bunch of amazing art, like, crazy art styles going at the same time. It's a very clean movie, especially compared to Turtles, like, and I know that was, like, the intention that it's they were going for like a high school doodle when you're in class on the side. You know, very crude. 
and the designs really match that both in the turtles and just like the other characters like eyes are you know there's very little symmetry actually that's probably the best way of putting it like yeah it looks like a kid drew some of these characters just because they're, all the proportions are kind of weird but it kind of works because where spider-verse is your clean big budgeted superhero movie you know aka marvel spider-man i mean you can't really get much crazier than that on the marvel side turtles by contrast was feels like almost like an indie film in that sense which is surprisingly very fitting considering the original turtle comic started as you know it was just meant to be like a parody of what was popular at the time or just like kind of just parodying like various aspects of other modern i mean i guess the big comics at the time when it came out like in 86 87 like i mean the origin is literally a parody of or it takes inspiration from Daredevil and how Matt Murdock loses his sight due to like crossing the street, getting hit with a container of ooze. And they pretty much just take that and, you know, just turn it into their own thing. But yeah, really fun. I mean, if you enjoy Turtles enough, I'm sure you'll find something to like in this one. Definitely the best Turtle movie since like Turtles 2. For sure. Although, not to say that the ones in the middle weren't entertaining, just not good. But, yeah, that's pretty much all I have for Turtles. I mean, you guys definitely have more to talk about as far as movies go. I mean, I think, did either of you do Barbieheimer, like, in one go, or? Uh, I did over 36 hours, roughly. Uh, well. Actually, no, not even 36, 24. I did over 24 hours, yeah. Wow. But that one's not on the docket. On the docket, we have Oppenheimer, which is, right. uh, I guess, Christopher Nolan's new, like, in between, like, all right, we got some exciting stuff that we just did. Now we need something more on the chiller side. I, I wouldn't call it chill, but, I mean, yeah, Kevin and I went and saw it uh, last night, actually. And Angel had an invite. We didn't exclude him, listeners. We would never exclude Last him. night into this morning, because, correct. God damn, is that movie long? Yeah, yeah, full three hours. We saw it at the uh, TCL Chinese Theater here in LA. So the proper quote unquote way to see it: seventy millimeter IMAX with a booming sound system. What do you think of it, Kevin? Uh, I liked it. Um, I don't necessarily know if seven if seventy millimeter was necessary for the movie. And I think that's my biggest hang-up on it. Um, it's interesting, because I felt the same way coming out. I even said to you, when you said that, I'm like, yeah, I get what you mean. But then I was kind of thinking about it more, and something I thought, I, something I liked about the 70 millimeter. Well, one, it's not, usually when they're like, go see it in IMAX, it's because there's crazy action scenes with like, you know, it's Tom Cruise jumping off a motorcycle, going off the side of a mountain in Munch Impossible or something. It's like, whoa, look at the height of that mountain in IMAX. And this was like, mostly in intense and not so intense conversations in small rooms with people very close together. Um, but I did think it was kind of interesting between the color grading they used and the, the, the screen ratio for IMAX 70 millimeter. It kind of felt like we were watching like photos that were taken during the time of them making the bomb or during the time where they were scouting or on horseback in New Mexico or whatever. Like we, it looked like we took like photos from that era, which were roughly that, 
size ratio. And then they just kind of like came to life. Like they had the same color grading and they had the same sort of shape as like that era's or maybe right after as car photos became more common um, coloring. And, and like it, 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 I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, but it kind of felt like like it felt very true to the time of or how we see that time when we look back at images from that time, which I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know if it makes it worth 70 millimeter if you're looking for something more bombastic. Like, I don't know if it made it for you, Kevin, but in hindsight, I kind of appreciated the format more than, especially because it kind of took up your whole view. So, like, when you when they were having those conversations in tight, in, like, small rooms, like, you couldn't, like, see outside the room, so to speak, into the rest of the theater. It felt like you were just, like, in that room. Well, you know, a normal movie obviously has, you can see wall, you can see ceiling, you can see whatever. So I don't that, feel the that, same way. Yeah. But oh, that's fair. That's fair. That's just, that's just me. No, yeah, I, no I, totally I, I feel like if I saw this in, like, Saturday Night Max, I would have been just satisfied, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it might be me looking for reasons to justify it, but I thought, I don't know if it's, like, a selling point, but I thought it was kind of cool in hindsight. But, yeah, no, I totally get what you're it, It's not, for the guy that pioneered using IMAX to film commercial films, um, you know, he did that, I think, with Dark Knight, um, this definitely was a different use of it than even stuff he did, like Dunkirk, where it's still very action-y. This was definitely more uh, calm of the use sure. of it. I, yeah. I mean, aside aside from the whole aspect ratio thing, uh, Killian Murphy destroyed it. Yeah. Um, a lot of the minor characters are like even some of the supporting characters and their actors. I think they did a really good job. Obviously, Robert Downey Jr. is the, the big one that everybody's talking about. <laughs> obviously reminding us that hey iron man when he's not iron man can still act totally um aside from like robert Downey jr killian and like emily blunt i don't know anybody else who necessarily stands uh you know what no benny safty one of the directors of good time and uncut gems, uncut gems. i mean he yeah he he did a good he did a great job as well but aside from that yeah, also I can't really, um i can't really like point my finger to anybody who like just knocked it out of the park. Oh, you know what? Maybe Dane DeHaan. And aside from that, I, I think that uh, Matt Damon was all right. I mean, he was just doing his thing. Yeah. But uh, And Rami Malek was like barely there. But that's what was kind of true about the movie is there were so many people you will recognize from other things in the movie. Like not necessarily because they have like these captain performances. You're like, oh, my God. When I saw well, either Drake or Josh from Drake and Josh, like I remember which one it was that was in it. Um, like, you know, wow. Okay, it was Josh. Like, I wasn't like, wow, Josh is so good. But it was just like, wow, that's Josh. Oh, there's Rami Malek. Oh, there's this person. Like the cast is like kind of stacked with people you will recognize but aren't necessarily all triple A, you know, top tier, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't feel that way where it's like, hey, that's Josh Peck. Hey, that's Mr. Robot. I, to me, it definitely felt like they were whoever they were playing at the time. Oh but sure, yeah. I don't mean it stood out in a negative way. It just I still, would, I still wouldn't say that their performances wowed me. I was like, that's just a standard performance. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like I, I, I would jump out, or they would jump out, and be like, oh, or not even jump out, but I would just recognize and be like, oh, that's blah blah blah, and I'd be like, okay, he's just here, cool, yeah, doing his thing, yeah, or her thing, um, yeah. Long movie. Uh, I thought the movie was about to end, and then we still had another the third hour act. to go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which it's what do you think of the editing of it? Because it, it's very like it starts very frenzied and then it kind of sells into a rhythm and then it goes kind of political thriller. I'm political no, debate, I'm... not thriller. <sighs> Nolan just doesn't at this point. I'm just going to say that Nolan has totally forgot how to make a linear movie. 
I don't think it's he forgot. I think he just does not like the idea of just treating time in a movie as a normal thing. I think <laughs> like, I think the last time that he made a linear movie was probably Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, and I mean, even Dunkirk, it was linear, but it was Dunkirk. all real time, minute by minute. He can't do a movie that's just a standard movie in timeline. Something has to be, there's always a time gimmick, one way or another. Yeah. Right, but it's, the Oppenheimer editing was just, I don't know, man. There were scenes that were that started black and white towards the beginning of the movie that were signifying that this is taking place after the creation of the atomic bomb. Spoiler alert. Um <laughs> But then once we would get to it, it'd be color, right? It, it'd be colored or or so. maybe maybe we still weren't there. Like I would have to rewatch it again. But there there was a scene uh, that scene when they're all where that uh, they have that uh, the centerpiece, dinner. the yep. dinner yep. where I could have sworn that we still weren't there timeline wise, but all of a sudden it was in color. So I think the color versus black and white. So that, that's something I thought was very interesting in the movie is he he's playing with like two themes and these aren't really spoilers, but they say it, but he's playing with this idea of like duality that can be a paradox, which they very blatantly spell at the beginning. We're like, you know, you could have a wave and a particle and they can coexist. It's a paradox. I'm talking about like something sciencey, uh, And that ends up being like kind of this running thing is this duality. So it then becomes about Oppenheimer and the other, uh, the government official who kind of like worked with him, a guy named Strauss. Um, and then what I noticed as the movie went on, and I think this is it, maybe I'm wrong, the black and white is the Strauss perspective, and the color is the Oppenheimer perspective. Sure, and that makes sense in retrospect, but yeah. when I'm watching a biopic, I don't want to think of this like Tenet or Inception. Yeah, no, I feel that, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was cool with it, but I get where you're coming from, yeah. But I did yeah. think it was really interesting. Yeah, because, like, and, and, like, those two parallel, like, this duality, like, there's duality inside Oppenheimer himself. Like, you know, he's making the bomb, but he has reservations after he made it. Nah, spoiler, it's history. Uh, you know, like, all this stuff where, like, this kind of paradoxical, like, he made the bomb, but he really regrets making the bomb. But he, like, approved where they bombed the bomb, like, where they used the bomb. Like, you and know, like, all that. the limelight and. Yeah. Which like sure makes like, for, for interesting, uh, which makes for, like, an interesting character arc or. Yeah. interesting uh, character study but like I said I feel like the editing for me just didn't hit didn't hit and was sort of scattershot in that in that way like the very last scene is a scene that we see very very early on and so mm -hmm. I don't know if it's supposed to be delivered like a twist but I don't I don't know we just the, that the editing for this did, didn't do do it any favors and god damn will this man find a good audio mixer i can't yeah. with him anymore that's that's my only thing i was gonna say is there's some garble in a movie with no action there's still some garbled dialogue and to be fair it's a little action but in in like it's not bombastic it's not tenet there's not guns there's not planes exploding there's not you know a plane being driven to a hangar in slow motion as if it's supposed to be a big spectacle um there's none of that and yet still i would say about 15 percent 10% of what Oppenheimer, Silly Murphy, did a great job, was saying was a little garbled because he had a deeper voice and it was so bassy in the theater because the speakers are so bassy. I like right? how like, people have told him, hey, your audio mixing sucks. And he said, I know. And then he just he, decided not to do anything with that critique. It's it's really interesting because he I was reading up on this. So I guess what he does, and I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. It's just what he does. He only does two takes 
he does one – or, well, not two takes, but he does two versions. He does one for the visual, for the IMAX camera, and the camera makes a lot of noise. So then he separately does an audio-only take. He never ADRs that audio-only take. So what's not picked up clearly that we hear is because it was never picked up clearly and he does an ADR, supposedly. Pretty weird reason to have garbled audio, but that's supposedly why it is what it is. Yeah, Which does not excuse it in my mind, but yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you're still going to be as excited for his next thing. I mean, I think I came out of it a lot more a fan of the movie than Kevin was based on the kind of the conversation here. Like, I thought the duality stuff he was doing that I kind of mentioned was very interesting. I thought the idea, like, he kind of, oh, how do I say this without spoiling it? Because this actually is a spoiler on how the plot's told. He does an interesting thing with the theme. Like, everything that is, like, about, like, what the bomb is, you know, the duality of how the physics of the bomb work, the mutual assured destruction idea of, like, if everyone has nukes, no, you know, we all kill each other or we don't. Like, that, he plays with that theme with some of the characters. Like, there's there's a lot of, like, the bomb is this, but also it works for the characters like this or, you know, the way it's shot. Like, even the jumped around editing, like, kind of feels like, because it starts way, it just throws you in. Like, the first hour is just, like, random names being thrown at you. It has, like, I, I felt like it got... I remember in early years of Game of Thrones, people were like, oh, there's too many names. I don't know who all these people are. They just kind of say them randomly. That's how I felt about a lot of scientists in in um, Oppenheimer because they're just like, boom, 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 go, 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 go. But it did kind of feel like, to me, the beginning was very frenzied and a little confusing because, like, Oppenheimer himself hadn't quite figured out his path and making the bomb. And then as the bomb started to come together and the program came together, the movie starts to feel a little more structured and then afterwards, in the aftermath, where it's a very linear, we dropped the bomb, then this is what unfolded, it was very linear at that point. So I don't know if that was just me excusing weird editing or what, but I was kind of into how that kind of, like, the beginning felt better having seen the end, but in the beginning, when I was watching the beginning, it was kind of confusing. But, yeah, no, I really liked it. I thought, I, I really liked the duality thing he was doing. Like, you could find it all over the movie in so many different parts, like the theme of duality. Um... But yeah, I, 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 and I also think there's kind of a bit of a like culmination of a lot of stuff he's toyed with. Like some of the, like there's some little like bits, of, like the time stuff, he always plays with time. So that's in there. The, there's some kind of memento-esque, like, like, you know, mental things with, with Oppenheimer and like some vibrating screams with some stuff he sees. And that's, there's little hints of that. And then the ending actually, like the buildup at the very end felt like kind of a bleaker version of the buildup of the Dark Knight. Like the music swelling, they're doing kind of interjected thing with like a little monologue. It ends with like a single line. Like it felt very parallel to how he ended Dark Knight in terms of structure, um, like the last scene. So there's like so many hints of like, Nolan's other ideas and work kind of culminating in this, which include the the bad parts like his sound mixing. Um, but overall, I, I actually coming out of it, I was like, that's cool. And then I haven't stopped thinking about it for the last like day. Like I keep just like drift, my mind just keeps drifting back to different parts of it. And I've, I've started to really like it more than I did in, even in the moment. So I kind of I, I feel like I should watch it again and see how it holds up in that regard. But yeah, no, I, I thought it was pretty cool. So you had a blast. That's great. Ha. ha ha I don't know if I'll join you for any Christopher Nolan movie in theaters ever, but I will consider it one day. I mean, maybe, maybe a movie. That's all we can ask again. of you is to consider it. Yeah. Well, next and what looks like last on the docket, I guess by elimination, is ZOM 100? ZOM 100? Hell yeah, ZOM 100, Bucket List of the Dead. 
Um, I don't know how much you know about this one, Angel. Surprisingly, I don't know anything about this unless... Welcome I to mean, my world, Angel. <laughs> maybe I saw, like, its logo or something somewhere at Anime Expo because I feel like... I'm going to Google it. I'm sure I might be like, oh, but is this uh, your new thing now that Chainsaw Man and that other stuff is kind of done for now? Not necessarily, but um, it's definitely fun. So, Zom 100. Oh, uh, I definitely saw this. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, I I recognize the art and the and the logo, but but I don't know anything about it. (laughs) I did recognize it, but yeah, tell me about it. Oh, yeah. So so uh, Zom 100, uh, Buckless of the Dead, follows uh this one guy named Akira who is an office employee who works one of these like often heard exploitative like Japanese office jobs that are so like prevalent in the uh, in like news cycles and just one day out of nowhere the zombie apocalypse begins but instead of freaking out like one would he feels free because now he doesn't have to work and he actually becomes excited at the prospects that he has all this time in the world. He he has no care. Um, and now he can do anything that he wants. Which leads him to make the title the, the bucket list of the things that he wants to do before he turns into a zombie. Um, I've seen the first four episodes. I believe five of them are out. But it's such a infectious fun time. It's such a nice like. It's a, it's a nice spin on, like, the zombie apocalypse where, you know, zombie apocalypse, like, everything's dire, everything is about survival. This is more, as lame as it sounds, this is more about living. Um, because Akira just, uh, he starts off with, like, 30 things, and of course, I'm sure as we go along, there will be um, more things that he adds on. But it's, like I said, it's it's incredibly infectious. Um, the very first episode might be the best first episode of an anime that I've seen in forever. Um, better than, uh, the soccer one, blue, 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 blue lock, blue lock. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it like, it starts off with, you know, Kira, um, in his monotonous job and there's, uh, there's like widescreen bars and the colors are very dull. But as soon as he's free, the world's more colorful and the music is more hopeful. And, like, one of my favorite stylistic choices that they do, not only in that first episode, but in episodes going forward, is that the blood isn't just red, but it's a bunch of different, like, neon colors. So instead of just red everywhere, you'll see, you know, like, neon blues, yellows, neon greens. It's, it's it, like I said, everything about this is, is a nice, fresh take on your standard zombie apocalypse hair and this is made by like a brand new studio and i don't really know the pedigree behind them like i don't know exactly who are like the directors who are the animators who are the character designers but like man they've they're absolutely killing it um episodes of the show keep getting delayed for some reason but if that means more time to work on the episodes and how fun they are like i'm i'm all up for it i'm i'm debating whether i want to watch the entire first season however long it is i'm sure it'll 
run just the your standard like 12 episodes and then read the manga or just read the manga right off the bat because it's all on the uh the Viz Media app which I have a subscription to. So I don't know. I I that's I the one with the really micro- crazy monetization. No, that is uh that's a Kodonsha. That's no, Viz Media is the same company that does the Shonen Jump app where you can read 200 chapters a day. Oh, I'm sorry, 100 chapters a day for two for two dollars a month. Probably the best deal in the. Yeah, that sounds ridiculous. Probably like the best subscription that I have, honestly. Um, hmm. but yeah, I would uh, I would absolutely recommend this to to anybody. It's on Hulu. It's on Crunchyroll. Um, check it out. Zom 100 of Zom 100 Bucket List of the Dead. Are you gonna check out the live check. action adaptation? Uh, probably not. <laughs> yeah, when I googled it, that was one of the first posters that came up, and I'm like, oh, it has a Netflix movie. Is anyone go watch Ooh. Netflix's uh, live action One Piece? I mean, I figured if I'm ever gonna watch One Piece, it might as well be this one. Now, you see, that doesn't make sense because the odds that gets canceled like 13 episodes in are pretty high. I hate to no sure, no offense then, to the crew that made but then it. Then you don't but... have to watch One Piece. Yeah. Ah, oh, I see. I see. It's a. It's a. They're basically forced to assume they're only going to get whatever first batch of episodes they get. So right. They right. better have written themselves in a way that, like, well, I guess it could end here. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We'll um. Man, yeah, that, uh, Gear Five, Luffy, uh, Angel. Oh yeah, I did watch that episode. That was pretty cool. Did you watch that episode after? No, is that just more fighting? Still, yeah, there's still more. Oh damn! Gear five hijinks, more nice. Looney Tunes. Yeah, super fun. Yeah, the, I will never understand the context of it, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, One Piece is sure getting up there <laughs> with however many episodes it has now. Although 10, I mean, seventy-one. I mean, Dragon Ball technically 10, has 000, more. One thousand seventy-one. Right? Dragon Ball. Uh... I mean, I guess if I'm counting like. Every single iteration has one long continuous series, which I know is what it's not. No, the original Dragon Ball Z only had 291 episodes. Oh, oh, oh wow. like that's not a lot. Only. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we're talking like Simpsons numbers. Pokemon had, I don't know how yeah. many. Yeah. And that was technically one continuous story as well. I think, that I think... this one is still um, Detective something? Detective... Conan, probably. Clunin or something like that? If it's Detective Conan. Oh, no, Case Close. Uh, oh, yeah, that is Detective yeah. Conan. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Detective Conan. Yeah, yeah. That has. Conan O'Brien. Yeah, it is on City. Oh, wait. City no, it. Oh. Detective or Case Closed only has 1,094. That's only like 20 episodes only. less. But that's only like 20 episodes less than One Piece. Yeah, really? One Piece is. The longest run, not even One Piece is one thousand seventy. I mean, I guess Naruto ended. And then no, have... case uh, Naruto. If you include Shippuden and Boruto, uh, Boruto just true. ended recently. So wait, oh, they did they like they ended what is considered part one of that show? I guess I've mm. always wondered. Be it? Oh yeah, they're gonna do a time skip soon. I don't know why. I, not. I, I've always wondered, be it One Piece, Simpsons, whatever show, uh, soap operas, how do they come up with so many plot ideas and never repeat? 
They definitely repeat. Yeah, they definitely do. Oh, well, that's yeah, how that it, it, It's just like the same plot, <laughs> just in a different context. Yeah. Well, then that's how. There's the answer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's like many episodes about Homer buying X thing and sure, the business out sure. of it. Right. And right. it just goes wrong. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, I guess even okay. to that point, the Bob's Burger movie, which I finally saw the other week, is basically the plot of a different episode where they have to kind of like solve a case and save the town, just more fleshed out. So, yeah, I guess yeah. even shows with smaller episode counts have that too. Yeah. Cool. Bob's Burger movie is great, by the way, if you're a fan of the show. Really fun. Really yeah, cool animation. Cool. It's like it has like a fluidness that reminds you of like old Disney cartoons, like kind of the like bouncy animation. But, yeah. Anyway. Well, definitely sounds like I need to check out Zom 100. Jason should at least check out the first episode, but we all know what happens when you recommend things to Jason. That's so, not true. Yep, always. Yeah. That's not always true. Always. So, I guess with Pretty that, I guess true. I will leave it to Jason for the uh, You diss me and then you make me do all the heavy lifting. Okay. You can find us on all the apps. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Amazon Podcast, Amazon, uh, tune in, not Stitcher at the end of the month, and uh, our YouTube is Ram Nintendo at Ram Nintendo. That is also our Twitter handle at Ram Nintendo Threads, or sorry, nope, still calling it Twitter, not calling it X. Twitter handle is at Ram Nintendo. Threads may or may not be coming down the pipe. Um, individually, we are on a multitude of places. You can find me on Twitter at JSR7. And at Threads, should you be there. You can find Kevin at Twitter at KVN Gomi. And you can find Angel expressing his mo- innermost thoughts through visual art at uh, World of Wero on Instagram. Or occasionally posting in in written form on Threads at Wero. Right? Yep. Yep. And thus concludes the show notes. Or the whatever this is. The, ma- the housekeeping. Yeah. So join us, uh, I guess, at some point in about two weeks, mm-hmm. usual. Um, yeah. It sounds like the episode may be a little earlier or later. We actually don't know. Yeah, we're um, still trying to figure that out because I stupidly scheduled a baseball game when we record like a fool. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll be at Dodger Stadium two days before for the Blackpink concert, which I'm pretty sure. Oh, is that Dodger play. Stadium? Yes. Interesting. I've never seen a concert at Dodger Stadium. Interesting. Oh yeah. Neither, neither have I, but I've been to a Blackpink concert and those things are insane. Oh yeah, that reminds me. One thing about uh-huh. saying concerts, Blackpink your experiences, I experienced it at Taylor. Loudest fans in the world. When it's a pop show and there's a lot of like young women and teen girls, oh my god. I had earplugs and it was still really loud. Like Damn. get ready, Angel. It it uh-huh. is shrill. Maybe I should look into getting some earplugs because I'm sure it's still going to be plenty loud. But Yeah, the people we went with didn't have earplugs and regret it like halfway through the show. You can still hear the music just fine. It just sort of dampens the shrieking, the banshee shrieks. Yeah. 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 Well, on that note, I guess I'll just throw it back at you again, Jason, for the final word. Oh, um, you know, for as much as we were dissing Peacock earlier in the show and talked about they may not last, they have a very nice UI on their app. So should you want to watch the Mario movie or Twisted Metal, as Kevin recommended last episode – it's a good UI. It's worth it while it still exists. 